Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. I'm Angela. So, judging by the title, you're probably a little bit intrigued by this episode, wondering, oh, how can I be respectful? How can I preach the gospel of Christ and still be mindful of validating other people's experiences and beliefs and worldview? So the hot take is that you probably can't. And so really what this episode is about is not necessarily how to respect other cultures, other people, but rather how to not respect them and stand bold in the truth anyway and not care about the consequences of that. So I uh, felt inspired to record this episode um, just based on general commentary from this past year and specifically some comments um, on my personal Facebook that I was actually engaged in a discourse with one of my old New Age friends and um, no ill will toward her. We're not on bad terms or anything like that. But, you know, let's call a spade a spade. We're not close anymore. Our worlds are worlds different. So I have um, been kind of publishing more on my Facebook, some of the stuff that you already see on my Instagram. For instance, my baptism reel. I was finally baptized. I know over a year in and I'm just getting baptized, but I'm just going to add a little caveat to this. For the record, it's not a workspace thing. It's not a way that I'm keeping my salvation. It's just a way that I wanted to express my love for the Lord and my obedience and doing what he wants me to do. So it's not about keeping salvation or earning it. It's just something I wanted to do because Jesus said so. And my baptism was beautiful. But anyway, I made a reel about it um, and my testimony. And I posted it on Facebook as well. And I talked about the dangers of the new age. Um, Now, obviously, Facebook is a little more personal than Instagram. I do know a lot of people from my real life on Instagram. But Facebook is, I think, for everyone more so that space. And so there's always like that underlying feeling of, eh, people are going to see this and think XYZ about me and have XYZ to say about it. Um, But I've honestly been caring so much less about those things. I just need to spread the gospel of Christ. So anyway, I posted it and said all these things about the new age as I do, often do. And um, my friend uh, she mess- She commented on it, and she said, and I'm going to read this out loud. Whenever you talk about spirituality, you make it sound like an ego thing. That's not what it is at all. Sounds like you just had a really hard and confusing time with it and made it all about your egos and desires. I wish you would have asked for help. I hope nobody reads your warped understanding of those spiritual practices and thinks that there's any truth behind it. But keep preaching Christianity, though, because that's totally your thing. And so I asked her what defines truth because I knew she was going to back herself up into a corner by asking that simple question. And she did because she said, truth is relative. Even though in the last breath, she says, I hope nobody reads your warped understanding of those practices and thinks that there's any truth to it, responds with truth is relative when I ask what defines that truth backed herself into a corner and then goes on to say you can't claim that your experience is the experience especially if it's on a subject that you misunderstood the way you describe spirituality sounds like you're saying that's what it is rather than specifying that it was only your experience while you were deep in the trenches of your suffering and I just kind of went on to say if truth is relative then how can you say that you hope no one thinks there's any truth to what I say about the occult. If truth is relative, then how can you say my understanding is warped? Either truth is relative or it isn't. Your initial comment point blank acknowledges that there is indeed a warped way to view things, which then predicates the necessity of an immutable truth. But if truth is just relative, as you state afterwards, then how can you say it is warped at all? How can you say I misunderstand something if it's all relative anyway? And then I won't 
bore you by reading the entire conversation, but she goes on to essentially say that what she meant was the truth about the actual philosophy. And she thought that was obvious to me and that um, I'm talking in circles and X, Y, Z. So it just, it really did go in circles. The conversation went in circles and I stopped answering because you have to understand that when you're in this sort of discourse with people in the new age, in any realm other than Christianity, you have to imagine that you're literally standing on an elevator and they're in the elevator next to you and you're getting off at the fifth floor and they're getting off at the third floor. You are just on completely different floors. You will not see eye to eye because you're not eye to eye. So at at one at some point you do have to learn to just step back. And that's taken a lot of refinement for me over the past year because I'll be honest, I'm very um combative at times. I'm I get emotionally inflamed and I want to react. Especially when it comes to Jesus. <laughs> when I love him so much and people are so mean and say these untrue things about him. And that's my king. That's my savior. Of course, I want to I wanna run, you know, to the front lines and defend him. But honestly, that gets you so far. It really does. You're on different planes with these people a lot of the time. You're on different planes. And it's not your job to convince them. It's not your job to change their mind. You can water some seeds But what happens if you stand at a seed for too long just dowsing a hose over top of it? It's not going to grow that way. You plant the seed, you water it, you walk away. And that's what I did with that conversation with her. I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere to just make myself right. I had already proven that I was right, and that wasn't even the point. The point was, as I tried to explain to her, I was I was trying to show her how she was contradicting herself and how, therefore, her ideology was inconsistent and her, her belief was inconsistent. But then I just, I left it because it's God's job to change people's hearts and minds, and we have to remember that. It's really hard to remember that sometimes, but it's crucial to remember that. We're not in the business of changing hearts. That's God's job. We're in the business of leaving impressions on hearts. And that comes from exposing darkness, sharing gospel, and being Christ-like. Just in how we live our lives. And so I had a couple other things to come up about. Something so innocuous. I just posted on Facebook about Sam Smith, the Grammys, right? And just said something catty like, oh, yeah, you're right. Hollywood doesn't worship the devil or anything. Um, you know, my 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 snooty, <laughs> sarcastic East Coast is showing. But um, someone commented and said, well, who are you to judge? What's truly evil is to judge someone. I didn't respond to this, but in my head, I'm sitting there thinking, you're defending a blatant performance worshiping the dark Lord Satan in the name of love, but I'm evil for pointing it out and calling it what it is. So I just got to thinking about all this discourse and how this stuff is really the tip of the iceberg when it comes to these conversations that I come up against all the time. It's really what it is for me is the incessant gaslighting. It's always the common thread is the gaslighting. You know, oh, as as my uh, conversation went with that girl, oh, I would never invalidate someone else's experience. I would never say that that's not true for someone else. Or how she essentially said to me, without saying it, she said, That I was essentially so mentally ill that I got it wrong. I was too mentally ill to do new age the right way. Is basically how she gaslit me into that one. Um, And aside from that, you know, people will say things like, 
oh, Jesus tells us to love everybody. And who are you to judge? Who are you to criticize? The Bible says you can't judge people. You can believe whatever you want, but that doesn't make other people wrong, etc., etc. And I just noticed this consistently. And it's not just with the New Age. It's not just with these other religions. It's with the woke mob too, this gaslighting. They use this manipulative language to give them some emotional leverage. So now whatever you say, it automatically comes off as mean or as invalid and therefore not to be considered. People set themselves up this way and set you up this way, subconsciously or not. Um, but it's because we're manipulative by nature, right? Humans are schemers. We are conniving little weasels. So praise God for having a savior to wash us clean of that, right? Anyway, uh, this is obviously multifaceted because there's many layers to it. So I'm just going to try and break it down into pieces because it's stuff we get all the time as Christians. And so I hope this episode will encourage you to be bold and brazen in your faith and to equip your apologetic tool belt a little bit so that you feel more confident in facing the inevitable persecution. So... Just as like a disclaimer to all of that, I want to say first that we must know when to back down from the persecution and engaging in it, but we also must know that we're going to face it regardless. It's going to happen. But we must not back down when it does. We must not let anyone gaslight us into compliance. We must not let anyone gaslight us into silence when it comes to standing up for God, his word, and his son, Jesus. We must not let them. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The Bible says that, 1 Peter 4, verse 14. So look, you are blessed to have the privilege of being insulted in the name of the perfect Lord Jesus Christ. You are blessed to be insulted. You are blessed to face persecution for his glory. You are blessed. So when that happens, when you start to get those feelings like, oh, they're going to think this, they're going to think that. Oh, I can't say this. I can't do that. Oh, no. What will my, my brother think? What will my sister-in-law think? What will my cousin think? What will my old friend think? What will my boyfriend think? What will this person think? What will that person think? No, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. To be insulted in the name of Christ. Basically, <laughs> you're uh, putting your crown, your crown on right then and there. <laughs> or your robe, I should say. And, um, look, this isn't, like, this isn't about me acting like Christians don't do wrong. That's not what this is. I'm not sitting here on a high horse acting like Christians never say, do, act wrong. Because Christians do say and act wrong quite often, myself included. And the thing is, like, we can handle criticism. And we should handle criticism. Feedback is healthy. It invites us to check our heart posture and be held accountable for self-reflection. So this isn't me sitting here saying, you know, when people criticize you as a person, personally, to just brush it off. I'm not saying that self-reflection isn't necessary. But the thing here is that it's not about you. These aren't direct criticisms about you. Because even if they're saying it, even if they're saying you, 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 remember what Ephesians says, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. So this isn't about you. It's not about them even. This is about God. And this is about the truth. This is not about the self. This is not about the self. But that's the fundamental problem of everyone you're having these conversations, altercations, debates, interactions, whatever with, is that we as a human race are self-focused. We default into making everything about us. Sharing the gospel of Christ is no different. 
And in fact, it actually elicits more of an inflammatory response because it is quite literally all about him. (laughs) The gospel of Christ is all about him. Everything exists for the glory of God. And that sounds horrifying as a normal person who just exists in this world that constantly affirms your glory alone, right? But this is about God and all things being in his glory. So remember, the, the persecution isn't about you personally. It's about God. Because you are either worshiping one master or you're worshiping another. There's no, there's no neutrality here. You're either with Christ or you're with the enemy. Like that's, that's the only two options. There's nothing in scripture about offense that we can sit on while we have t- time to decide or think about it or make up our minds. No, if you're sitting on the fence in your mind, you're already on the, on the wrong side. But I'm telling you this in a way to encourage you to kind of zoom out from it when it happens, when people are mean to you and say mean stuff. Remember, it's not about you. We, we, we fight against, not against flesh and blood, principalities of darkness. It's a spiritual war. And so it's never about you. It's always about God. And that being said, you are blessed to have the privilege of being insulted in the name of Christ Jesus. And you have to remember that. It is all about God, but other people aren't seeing it that way. We as humans are hardwired to make everything about us. So with that being said, I actually want to acknowledge a part of this counter argument with something that I actually agree with. For the very reason that I just stated. Um, you know, because with all this, you know, speaking out against the new age, other religions um, that oppose Christianity, there's always that whole narrative that, well, just because you believe something, that doesn't make it evil. And so I, I want to say here that that is indeed a correct statement. That is a factual thing to say. Because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about my glory. It's not about my feelings or anything about me whatsoever. Whatever I feel does not make something true one way or another. So whatever my subjective feelings are towards these subjects is irrelevant because subjective feelings do not determine anything except how I personally feel. It begins and ends there completely. What makes something true is the objective basis said thing either does or does not have. People make it about me, you know, by saying things like, just because you believe it doesn't mean it's untrue. Just, it's just your truth, you, 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 you. Just because it works for you, yada, yada, all that stuff, because they think I'm making it about me because we're hardwired to. Do you see what I'm saying? Everyone is so used to making everything about themselves all the time. We as human beings see the world through the myopic lens of self alone. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ literally doesn't make sense to this secular world that is told, follow your truth, live your dreams, you are worthy, love yourself, you deserve it, blah, blah, blah. And this spiritual blindness is why people literally cannot comprehend the gospel of Christ, which is namely faith in Jesus alone, salvation in Christ alone, God through Christ alone. Because it's all about Christ alone. It's not about you. It's not supposed to be about you. It's not supposed to be about me or whatever I do or do not believe working for me. But the secular world wants it to be about you and about me and about us and about them. And so there is this disillusioned assumption that it thus should be. There is this disillusioned assumption that The gospel of Christ should be about me. And so arguments, interactions, altercations like the ones that I had with my old New Age friend that I read to you, they do tend to go in circles. They do tend to go in circles, like she said, because the thing is you're trying to force someone's eyes to Christ even though the only thing they've ever seen is the mirror. 
the irony in that is that they think they are morally superior to you because from their perspective, from their subjective experience, they think it's loving and selfless to live and let live in a world where we all have our own unique connection to God in a unique way and all roads lead to heaven and all those other Gnostic customs. They actually think you are selfish and maniacal despite that you're admitting you are actually both of those things, which is why you need Jesus, but I digress. They think that you are selfish and maniacal for wanting other people to stop being so selfish and maniacal by giving their life to Christ. It's a great irony. It's a great paradox. It's not lost on me, but it's to be expected when you are either one of two things, a child of God or a child of wrath. There is no in-between. So disputes are par the course. Christian, buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> and remember that subjectivity does not make something true. So the subjective feelings on both ends, including yours, are irrelevant. Because what makes something true is the objective component it either does or does not have. If you can't tell already, that's the theme. And so therefore, only one of these things can be true. If what makes something true is the objective component it either does or does not have, then only one of these things can be true. Either all roads lead to God or they don't. And as a Christian, we obviously stand on the firm belief of what Matthew 7 states, that the road is indeed narrow. And so as a Christian, we have a duty to proclaim that as Scripture word for word tells us to go out into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation, to make disciples out of all the nations and to not be ashamed. Now, some of you with that may be thinking, but isn't there something to that other stuff too, Angela? Like live and let live. Letting other people think or believe or feel however they want about God as long as they're doing no harm. I mean, do I really have to preach about the word to others who are already happy with how they're living and already feel like they're connected with God and already say that they, that they know Jesus and that they love him and that they worship him? Well, like I just mentioned, the Bible literally tells us to do that. So the answer is unequivocally yes. <laughs> and in case it isn't obvious enough from taking a look at the world around you, uh, live and let live doesn't work. <laughs> Live and let live doesn't work. But you know what does work? That like button. So make sure you give this video a thumbs up and you subscribe to the channel and give this video a five-star rating and written review on whatever platform you are just listening. If I'm just in your ears right now at the gym or in the car. Uh, take a screenshot of you listening to or watching Heaven and Healing podcast. Post it on your Instagram and tag me. This is a really important part. Tag me in the story so that I actually see it and I can thank you and share it to my story. If you don't follow me on Instagram already, you definitely should. I do spend a majority of my screen time there and it's a great way to keep up with the updates on my new website and membership, which will be available very, very soon. I feel like whenever I lay out plans for y'all, something happens that deters it. So I'm just gonna learn to keep things more under wraps for myself as I build professionally um, and make announcements when I actually have announcements to make sort of thing. So sorry for all the kind of back and forth with the website. It'll be here soon. Okay, so here's the thing about live and let live, right? I will not be in the business of partnering with darkness by swearing my allegiance to tolerance. And I pray you won't either. I will not be in the business of partnering with darkness by swearing my allegiance to tolerance because tolerance is not compassion. But that's exactly the manipulative language they use to gaslight you that you're not being compassionate, that you're not being empathetic. No, that's a lie and it's a crack, it's a crock of crap. It's a lie. Live and let live got us here, okay? Live and let live got us here in 2023 where grown men in panties read storybooks to kids in public classrooms and we've started calling mothers birthing people instead of mothers. 
That's where live and let live has gotten us. So no, I will not live and let live because live and let live has taken us so out of the design of God's order that at this point we are all literally impatient on this asylum called planet Earth that we have single-handedly flushed down the toilet by trying to make it all like Burger King and have it our way. (laughs) So no, I will not live and let live because I want to be a mother someday. I will not live and let live because what my God ordained for this world is so much more grand than what sin has done to it. I will not watch my mom's cousin's daughter offer tower readings online and not reach out to her about it. I will not miss the opportunity to tell someone that Jesus is the way when I have seen that they have clearly lost theirs. I will not live and let live. Live and let live does not keep people from hell. In fact, it endorses hell. Live and let live says, do whatever you want and there are no consequences. It seems so innocuous and loving to just say everyone has the right to live, believe, love however they want and all these pretty Hallmark card expressions, but it is actually the opposite of compassionate and loving and respectful to not tell someone the truth. But this is what the satanic, selfish, secular world has done, right? They've changed definitions. They've changed meanings that words have. And so because of that, I get told all the time that I need to respect other religions, worldview, and belief systems. And it's not overtly because I'm saying anything hurtful or nasty or vindictive. As you know, because you watch or listen to this, I speak very matter-of-factly. If there's an eggshell, it's under my foot. I'm not going to skirt around it. So the backlash comes because of live and let live, because of the changed definitions. Because people equate respect with fluid passivity. Because people equate respect with questionless submission. People equate respect with unconditional acceptance. But these are not mutually inclusive. It is loving, to be honest. If your partner was cheating on you and your best friend knew about it but never told you because, oh, you were, you were happy not knowing. And she just wanted you to live your truth in your fullest expression. Would you not be upset? Of course you would be upset. Don't you think it would be the more loving thing for her to tell you the truth, even though it would be hard for both of you? If someone had been deceiving you for your entire life, wouldn't you want to know? If you saw someone standing on the street corner with a match about to light themselves on fire, would you not implore them to stop? Because that's what we're in here with the business of Christianity. And again, subjectivity is irrelevant regardless of what is objectively true. But from the Christian worldview, we do subscribe to a universal objective truth. And that is... Metaphorically speaking, if you're not right with Jesus the way the Bible describes being right with Jesus, then that is the eternal spiritual equivalent of standing on the street corner about to light yourself on fire. We're going to beg you not to light the match. Not say, well, just really made her happy to be so close to an open flame as you lie incinerated on the ground. No. And that is what Christianity is. So truthfully, look, I don't care about respecting other people's beliefs. I don't care about respecting other people's religions. I don't care about making sure everyone is okay or feels included. I don't care about your feelings. I care about your eternity. I care about your soul. I care that you're being deceived. I care that you're being happily spoon-fed lies. And I don't care about how any of that comes across because I would rather be a good person than a nice person. And while it is true that none of us are good, the Bible says that none of us are good, no, not one. What I mean by that as an example is, you know, the quintessential example of the difference between a good man and a nice guy, right? So it's that typical nice guy who gets along with everyone. He's nice. He's funny. He's jovial. He's helpful. Give you the shirt off his back. Everyone likes him. 
but he's also passive. He's a pushover. He's a doormat. He's fake. He's an actor. Everyone likes him. And then there's the good man who tells it like it is. Isn't afraid to lead, is hardworking, and will always put an honest foot forward, even if it contradicts what someone else wants. And so obviously I'm not a man, but, you know, that's my point, is that being nice doesn't save anyone. Being nice doesn't keep anybody from hell. So don't let them gaslight you with all that. You have to respect other people's culture talk. And for the record, look, I'm not saying to walk around like this mean, nasty Christian tyrant either, because... There's definitely a good amount of those already stomping around gatekeeping the Bible and we don't need more. So don't be a bully. Like, don't name call. I'm not, I'm not saying you should go out and pick a fight on every Instagram feed. Don't be petty. And trust me, I know how hard that is sometimes, especially when they approach you with pettiness and you just got that, that common in your back pocket. Again, my East Coast is showing. You just have that common in your back pocket that would verbally nail them to the wall, verbally castrate them and you know it, just like verbally basically put them back in their mother's womb. Like you can just say it and you know exactly what to say. And then the Holy Spirit is like, no. I get it. It's hard sometimes. So I am for the record saying to not do those things. Don't be mean. Be confident. And with that, you're always going to fall short in one way or another. Always. Regardless. But even still, don't be gaslit into silence and compliance. With this, you have to respect everyone's beliefs. Crap. I'm sorry, it is, it is crap. It's crap. Um, while we're at it, actually, with that, uh, th- that be respectful talk. Because if this is something you get hung up on personally, and I, I know a lot of people do, um, like feeling like you're being disrespectful for speaking biblically, for being bold in your faith. I, I hear this from a lot of uh, lifelong Christians, actually. Um, so I want to encourage you to remember that the Bible, the Bible calls us to love thy neighbor. Not respect thy neighbor. The Bible tells us, right? I will read it. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I feel like so often this verse is used everywhere. Even non-believers use this verse in these verses in their wedding vows. Um, And it's beautiful. But how often do we miss that part right in the middle? Verse six. Rejoices with the truth. People want to stop here, right? Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Okay, but then read on. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It literally says in the Bible that love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. Yet here we are living in a world rejoicing in the wrongdoings. We live in a world rejoicing every single lie successfully sold to us. Like our rights. You know, it doesn't matter, Angela. People have a right to live how they want. I mean, this is the genuine attitude of some of these people that even if Christianity were the objective truth as we claim that it is, that it still doesn't matter because people have the hu- the right to live how they want. It's like people that say that even if abortion is murder, it doesn't matter because people have a right to live how they want. And yet the Bible says the exact opposite of that so many times. Which, again, is why we have such a hard time really grasping that. It's John, John 33, where John the, John the Baptist says, 
He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, so he must increase, but I must decrease John 33. So there's either something wrong with John the Baptist writing those words or something that is wrong with the world because that messaging is so opposite of what the world says, which is God who? I must increase, I must increase, I must increase. And we hear it all the time. Rights, 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 gay rights, transgender rights, reproductive rights, indigenous rights, human rights, human rights. What about, what about creator rights? Your rights? Your right to believe what you want, practice what you want, love who you want, do what you want, live how you want, whatever. Okay, what about the rights of the one who gave you life? What about what he says is correct? What about what he would like to be done? What about what he says is true? What about what he says about himself? What about what he says about himself? The Bible is clear that all roads of arbitrary spirituality, in fact, do not lead to God. The gospel is clear that many of those roads of arbitrary spirituality, in fact, are reservations to eternal punishments. The gospel is clear that Jesus is the only way to God. And guess what? Regardless of how that makes you subjectively feel, God has the right as creator for that to be objectively true. Regardless of how you feel. He's God. You have no rights. God could stop your heart in 10 seconds if you felt like it. He could end your life right now. You have no rights. Human rights are a myth. We must look to what the creator says about his creation. Instead, we're out here constantly trying to create ourselves and look how that's going for us. Look how live and let live is going. Again, live and let live has gotten us half-naked men in your kid's classroom reading them a story at noon and it's gotten mothers to lose their title of mother and be called a birthing person instead. That's where live and let live has gotten us. That is so out of ordinance with what the rights the creator of the universe has ordained for us. It's so far out of order. But we have uh, the Satanists telling on themselves here again with this one. With their love everyone, love yourself, be free, do what you want ideologies. Because all that, it's self-idolatry in disguise. It's self-idolatry in disguise. These spiritualists coming off as though they're riding the cosmic wave of peace by going along to get along, by catering to the live and let live mindset. But the truth is they're actually catering to their own inherently selfish need to live for themselves because if everyone else is doing it, they feel more free to do so. Other people are feeling good about their sin which they would never call it that. But if other people are feeling good about their sin, then they can feel good about theirs. If other people are only ever held accountable to their own self and not a theistic higher power, how convenient, then they are too. And whether or not people are conscious that this is what they are doing, now that the spiritual blinders have been lifted for me, praise Jesus, it's just plain as day to see. And they have found a way to pacify their own sin by championing the sin of others and calling it tolerant, loving, and acceptance. So no, you don't have a right to anything. You don't even have a right to your sin because the wages of sin costs you death. But this is how they gaslight you into silence. This is how they gaslight you into compliance by saying that you're not being nice. You're not being compassionate or considerate or my personal favorite, you're not being Christ-like. You know, people who could literally care less about what the gospel says or what Jesus says 
and then try to use that same gospel against you as a way to bully you into being wrong, this is one of their tactics. They try and back you into a corner by literally holding Jesus against you, even though they don't actually really care about what Jesus has to say, they're still going to be the first one to tell you that he tells us not to judge or that God is love and God loves everyone and blah, blah, blah. When, of course, you know, when we read scripture, when we don't cherry pick scripture, when we read scripture, we know that the text doesn't tell us not to judge, but rather it tells us how to judge others. And we're judging things all the time. The person that tells me I'm being judgmental and just turn around and say, isn't that a judgment? We make judgment calls all the time. Negative, positive, whatever the connotation doesn't, doesn't matter. See another instance. It doesn't matter the, the subjective component of what we're judging. It matters that the objective is true. We're judging. We're always judging something. You're judging this video, how it looks, how I look how I sound, how the quality and the sound look now compared to maybe two months ago compared to my old setup. You're judging what you feel like eating for dinner. We make judgments all the time. You're judging all the time. You can't just put on this cloak of don't judge anybody and sprinkle fairy dust and poof away. Like that's not reality. It's not life. And it's not true. It's just not true. And you know what's funny, too, is how this Jesus, you can, you can tell that the people that say that they love Jesus, you can always tell when they've never actually read anything that he has to say. Because the people that say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, Jesus doesn't want us to judge each other, Jesus loves us all, Jesus is a great guy, like this Jesus that they're talking about when they try and bully you into shutting up, basically, by saying... Jesus says, don't judge people. When, you know, this, when they try and use this argument against you, this is the same Jesus that flipped tables when his father's house, his church was being disrespected. Like this is the same Jesus who was calling the Pharisees a hypocrite, basically every other chapter in the New Testament. Like this is the same Jesus that literally says to the Pharisees, your father is the devil and tells the woman at the well, kind of in like a snarky way, right? Where he says, how many husbands have you, or where he says to her, you know, go home to your husband. She says, that's right, go home to your husband. She says, I have no husband. He's like, you're right, you've had like five. Like, that is the same Jesus. And the, these things, you know, it's a lot more harsh to say your father is the devil than it is for me to comment on an Instagram post and say that yoga is demonic. And yet that's the Jesus that they, that that's who Jesus was. I promise you that if Jesus had an Instagram, he would have done the same thing. Jesus is love, okay? I don't want to I don't want to confuse that. Jesus is love. He is love, but I I don't know I don't know when we got it in our heads that love is just this song we sing to lull someone to sleep with, but love is not passivity. Love is not silence. Love is truth. And Jesus told the truth. You sow into people by telling them the truth. And speaking of, you can sow into the Heaven and Healing Ministry by sending a financial contribution to donorbox.org slash heaven dash healing dash podcast dash ministry. Or you can donate to my Venmo directly. 100% of the donations go to the maintenance and support of this podcast as much time and energy is spent producing this content for you guys. That is my pleasure to do for the glory of God. So that being said, if you can't donate, please just pray over the podcast, the ministry, and myself. It means so much and I, and I really do feel those prayers. If you could specifically pray for um, spiritual attacks in my weaknesses, just noticed that a lot lately. Just spiritual attacks in my uh, my 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 weak spots. Uh, because he's got nothing left. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make a case for myself here and say that I'm near anything who Jesus was. 
You know, when I say that Jesus tells the truth, love tells the truth, Jesus flipped tables, Jesus said, your father's the devil, Jesus called the woman at the well basically a harlot for having five husbands, and that, well, me, I can be just as harsh. I'm not trying to say I'm anything like Jesus because um, I'm not <laughs> at all. What I'm saying is that I am consistent in what I believe. What I believe is in direct accordance to what my Bible says. Whereas the only thing the rel the relativist, aka the New Ager, the relativist is consistent with is how inconsistent they are in relation to what it is they believe. And of course, inconsistency with how those beliefs are even expressed. It's just inconsistency across the board with the New Ager. You know, from saying Jesus is love to not following who Jesus himself says that he is to saying we can't believe everything the Bible says to then using the Bible as a way to try and hold their claim that you don't have a right to criticize opposing worldview. And then we have examples, of course, like the one I shared where that I have that discourse between me and my old New Age friend where she says in one breath that truth is relative and then in the next that my spiritual understanding is warped. And now here is the solitary gust of wind that totally blows their house of cards down, okay? New Agers see spirituality through this lens of relativity where truth is just your own. And yet, even a New Ager would admit that God himself is truth. They would not dare give him a gender, of course. They would just call him source. But even if the New Ager identifies God as truth, of course, it's like this pantheistic false image of God that they have, they would still agree that God is truth. That's what I'm saying here, is that the New Ager would still call God truth while maintaining their worldview that truth is relative. So when it comes to this debate of Christianity as an objective reality versus other worldview, the New Ager refutes themselves in their own claim that truth is relative, right? Because for truth to be relative, that statement alone is actually predicated on an objective reality that they say isn't a thing. If all truth was relative, then that would mean there is a blanket of objectivity to cover that claim in order for the claim to be valid at all. For truth to be relative, all truth must then be non-relative, which is obviously self-refuting. Furthermore, an occultist will say that truth is relative and yet acknowledge that God is truth, right? So some truths are mutually exclusive, right? The sky is blue, the grass is green. Those two things can exist objectively alone at once. But truth itself as truth cannot be relative because truth is God. Because our God is not a God of relativity. See, God is unwavering. God is omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, and all-knowing. All things that are antonymous to relativity. Truth cannot be relative because God is unwavering. And so whatever that unwavering God has to say about what truth is, about what sets the standard of truth that is namely faith in Jesus Christ alone, then that's what it is. And it's not based on how I feel. It's not about me. If God is true and God is unwavering, then truth is unwavering. And if Jesus Christ is that unwavering truth, then what God says about Jesus Christ is that standard to which he expects us to follow as to not be living in a lie. He doesn't say crystals. He doesn't say Reiki. He doesn't say psychedelics or sound baths or tarot or yoga or long walks on the beach or visiting the Grand Canyon to feel this extraordinary insignificance. It's Jesus Christ himself alone 
So do not let these people make you feel crazy. I know you've been there. I've been there. Do not let them make you feel crazy. Probably one of the scariest verses in the Bible is where Jesus says that there will come a time when people come to him and he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Can you imagine? (laughs) Depart from me. I never knew you. So don't let them make you feel crazy because the proof is in the pudding. It doesn't matter what they think they know about Jesus. It doesn't matter what they think they feel about Jesus. What matters is what Jesus himself says about Jesus and about his word. And so I wanted to make this episode because I know I'm not the only one that endures these grievances. And to reiterate a point from the beginning, the gospel literally says that we will be persecuted. I mean, you have to think of it like this. Jesus upset them so much with the things that he said and did that they literally killed him. So why would the secular satanic world's reaction be any more lenient of you who represents the one that they killed? I don't want you to feel discouraged or afraid to speak up. I don't want you to be afraid to be bold in your faith. I don't want you to feel afraid of the backlash or what other people will think or say about you. I mean, I think we could all definitely learn to be more like Paul. And let's remember that Paul was literally in prison for defense of the gospel when he wrote Corinthians and that he was killed and the other disciples were killed for following Christ and for preaching the gospel. So with all that being said, and with the uh, spiritual maturity of this past year as I have walked with Christ, my response to this backlash from my, you know, alleged disrespect and judgment and invalidation of others is that, frankly, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about your feelings. I care about your soul. And it's not because I think I'm better than anyone else or because I want to be right. Okay, on the contrary, a key component to why I believe in the gospel of Christ to begin with is because I'm now able to recognize my innate unworthiness. I stopped seeing myself through the new age lens of this eternal being made of light and love and made of the grace of God and instead started seeing myself as a sinner that needs the grace of God. That that's something he gives me, not something that I am. I actually stopped assuming I knew it all once I came to Christ because I let go of the made-up relative idea of truth and surrendered to the truth that only God knows it all, see? And so therefore, it is only logical to conclude that what his word says is true and thus an acceptable moral, ideological, and spiritual barometer of truth. The Holy Bible. And I don't think I'm better than anyone else. I don't think I'm worse than anyone else. I think I'm just as broken, unworthy, and vile as everyone else, if I'm being honest. Um, and I, I know we live in a, in a participation trophy society where people just expect to be special just because... They exist. And, you know, the interesting paradox with that says you receive because you are worthy. And then with Christianity, it's like, well, actually, you get to receive because you are not worthy. (laughs) So it's like when you break it down, which ideology is actually full of itself? Which ideology is actually incredibly narcissistic and judgmental and oppressive and mean hmm maybe it's the one that says you're a goddess just because you woke up this morning maybe it's that one maybe it's not the one telling you that there's a savior who stretched his arms out on a wooden cross and bled out for your sins because he loves you eternally it's probably it's probably the other one (laughs) So I, I just want to leave you with that. Um, you know, that's why, I, that's why I speak so boldly about this. Because you kind of do have to unpack it. It's why I got into apologetics and why I'm studying so much within that space. Because 
the new age is uh it's sneaky the devil's sneaky he's crafty he's been here since god knows when <laughs> you know he's he's crafty he's been wa- he's been watching humankind as long as there has been humankind for him to watch for us to think we know better than the demonic realm is foolishly naive we walk in the authority of Christ but we have to understand that authority is Christ's not ours we're still people we are still human the devil is a trickster and of course it takes one to know one right we humans recognize that master manipulation in the devil because that kind of mirrors our own right but my point is that you know stuff like what we saw on the grammys with sam smith for example the blatant satanic worship that everyone is talking about that scares me and it's it's horrific but you know what scares me more the comment that lady left on my post about it and said, real evil is to judge another. That's what scares me more. The Satanism that says all roads lead to God. The Satanism packaged in shiny gift wrap and bows. The Satanism that people miss They just miss it because they are deceived into believing the counterfeit godliness of it all. And that's why I do this. And it's why I hope you'll study. It's why I hope you'll research and speak out on these topics. Speak out on exposing the darkness as you make disciples in all the nations. And look, I know it's easier said than done, but you you, you just kind of have to not care. You, You have to force yourself to not care about what they'll think or what they'll say. And... Okay, maybe it's impossible within the human condition to not care at all. But you have to take those feelings, take those thoughts captive to Christ, get right, and care more about what God thinks than what some idiot online thinks or what some loved one, someone you love more than anything in the world. You have to care more what God thinks than about what that person thinks. What the creator of the universe thinks of you is far superior to any other opinion ever. Ever. Even your dog. When all is said and done, just remember that hearing welcome home, my child, well done, is worth it. Jesus is worth it because you weren't. And yet here you are new creation please uh follow me on instagram subscribe if you haven't already links will be in the show notes going to quickly close us out in prayer father god i just want to thank you as i lift the heaven and healing audience to you each person whose ears i'm in right now whose screen my face is on right now. You know them all by name, Lord. You know their idiosyncrasies. You know their stories. You know their pains. You know their obstacles. You know their prayers and their hearts. And Lord, today I pray that you would take those hearts and that you would make them a little more bold in its faith and in its commitment to you and your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would just fill them with a brazen, confident, loving approach in sharing gospel. I pray that you would give them the words. I pray that you would show them the opportunities they have 
to expose the darkness, to shine the light, share their testimony, to show someone a Bible verse, to take someone to church. I pray that you would show them the opportunities, that you would make those opportunities available for them and the unsaved people in their lives. Pray that you would strengthen their armor. And I pray that the interactions that they have would be fruitful. I pray that you would use them to plant seeds and to call new souls back to yourself. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.